Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Another edition of the Prospects and Props podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Jamie Eisner knows all too well all of Taylor Swift's entire catalog because this past weekend, he was just telling me in the pre-show, he's been able to watch from uh, the the rooftop of his of his lovely penthouse apartment that he has there in yeah, Chicago, okay. Illinois. Yeah, okay. From his windowsill, he can see for the last three nights people heading over to see Taylor Swift. So I had to sneak in a little Taylor Swift reference here at the beginning. But that was that was how the pre-show started. Jamie was like, yeah, Chris, I'm looking outside and there's just a lot of people moving towards the stadium right now. Yeah, it's a, a lot of glitter, a, a lot of uh, pink cowboy hats. Um, as I'm watching, cause like from, from where I am, there's like a, there's the start of like a walkway into, into yeah. the park museum campus and then over to soldier field. So it's not the main area where people are coming through, but there are a lot of people that, uh, are walking over through here and yeah, it's been completely, uh, the, the intersections in front of my house have been completely taken over. Well, Jamie, uh, by by Swifties, just shake it off. We have a blank space this we're not week. Do, we're on not the doing this, Chris. I will be the anti-hero throughout the entirety of the show. A news and notes edition to start us out this week here on the podcast. We've got Jamie's rankings the rest of the week. I think that's all. I don't know if there's going to be an opportunity for me to sneak another Taylor Swift song reference in, but trust me, if there's an opportunity, uh, I will present two things that Jamie brought to the table, and then I have a statistic that I would like to share with Jamie Ooh. and get his thoughts on that he does not know about. I have not shared this with him. Uh, in the pre-show. And Jamie, the first question that you asked me when putting together the notes for the show this week, you said, what happens if these two rumors play out? And that is Dalvin Cook going to the Miami Dolphins and DeAndre Hopkins going to the Cleveland Browns. And so since you were the one that brought this to the table, I will let you set the stage here as we delve into those two rumors that have begun to surface within the last couple of days. Yeah, let's start with the first one, because it, it seems like every report, both from national media and from local media around the Minnesota Vikings, basically said that it's all but a formality that Dalvin Cook will not be on their roster very soon. Uh, and, and that a trade seems increasingly more likely as we get now pat we are past that that June one date. Um, you know, and from there, we've seen various reports that are like Miami is a front runner. Miami is a favorite. Keep an eye out for the Dolphins, et cetera. And, you know, it, it becomes really interesting for me in terms of both for there's fantasy elements to this. There are betting elements to this. There are real life football elements to this on both sides. You know, you have the Vikings basically saying we're, we're ready to roll with Alexander Madison, you know, as our lead back going into the season. And on the other side, is if, if a guy like Dalvin Cook does go to Miami, what does that mean? for that three-headed backfield uh, that we have seen now in, in Mostert, Wilson, and A-Chain. So uh, I think both of those options are are very intriguing to me. And I, I guess I'll kick things off with just the, the Miami portion of this since that, you know, aside from injury history, which has been a problem for Mostert, which has been a problem for Jeff Wilson dating back to their days with the San Francisco 49ers, 
they were pretty good last year in that tandem. And, and the Dolphins spent one of their very few picks in this draft on a running back in Devin A-Chain. And that's not to say that Dalvin Cook doesn't make you better. And, and if you're the Dolphins, you're, you're trying to compete in a tough division, a tough conference, and you have high aspirations. And Dalvin Cook certainly makes your team better uh, this year. But uh, it really, from a from a real-life football perspective, you could never have too much talent on your team. Mm-hmm. From every other perspective, it is interesting considering you know how much more production will they get out of that space relative to what they got last year other than you know this obviously being if you have enough numbers, you have enough injury insurance. Yeah, so Jenny, the big takeaway here, and I have on the other side of the screen here, um, where I ranked these two teams in my positional rankings for running backs, I had yeah. Minnesota 2 and I had Miami 27. So Dalvin Cook going from the team that I ranked second, going to the team that I ranked 27th, will certainly have an impact in all of these facets. Because part of the reason why you like that Minnesota running back room is because you love the depth, you love the ability to turn to an Alexander Madison to give Dalvin Cook a breather in case of an injury. You have a great option Mm -hmm. there in Alexander Madison. You take Dalvin Cook out of the equation, and it's really just Alexander Madison carrying the workload. You, You question what that looks like, not in a Ken Alexander Madison uh, pick up where Dalvin Cook left off. I think he can do that. But this is the this is the Tony Pollard question, right? It's the question that we've always asked ourselves yeah. is when you take Zeke out of Dallas and you make Tony Pollard the one, when he hasn't really been the one, he's been part of a you know conglomeration of running backs, does that change the output that you get from him? And so with Dalvin Cook removed from the situation, does it change what Alexander Madison is able to do? And unfortunately, the only way to answer that question is to actually put this plan into place and let Alexander Madison sink or swim as a true number one by himself. Yeah, and I think this is something that's been incredibly intriguing because for those of you that have played fantasy football for a number of years now, you know there's always been, particularly a couple years ago when Dalvin Cook was struggling with injury more than he has in, in recent times, there was always this talk and chatter about whether or not Alexander Madison could just replace Dalvin Cook. You just be the guy. Like, what would if they go with him? I think the dirty little secret of these last couple of years is that Alexander Madison hasn't been very good when he's been given opportunities. He's had more than 200 carries over the last two years combined, and he has been, what, like under 3.8 yards a carry. Um, you know, so will that change this year? Will that change with a bigger workload? It's possible. Um, but, but I think he's really not shown much to me in the last couple of years that screams lead back. Screams and, break out on the horizon, right? Sure. Scream, and, and like, I mean, feels statistically more like he's in he, a good role that he's in right now and he's able to be productive in that role. Yeah. But I mean, nowadays, I mean, 3.8 yards barely gets you on the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, I think nobody in that Miami group would, would was in that range last year. And again, I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm just saying that I, I think the idea that was formulated starting a couple of years ago, that Alexander Madison is just another Dalvin Cook, isn't true. And I, again, he will put up decent numbers if he's the lead back. He's going to get 200 plus carries this year. But I do have concerns about whether or not he can tr- truly be a lead back in Minnesota and wonder if that also means that they might delve into this free agent market for a cheap veteran that's, that's still out there. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, this is the opportunity a lot of people in Minnesota have been clamoring for for two plus years now is to get to see what an extended Alexander Madison run looks like. 
and it looks for contractual reasons like they're going to get that option really soon. And, you know, no matter where Dalvin Cook goes, I, I still think a place like Dallas would, would be a great fit for him as well. I obviously have to go look and see where, where the numbers work, but Dalvin Cook will be a really good player for somebody next year. And I think Alexander Madison's got a lot to prove. Yeah, I'll throw another uh, wrinkle into this conversation discussing Miami for a second. And Jamie, when I look at this, I think of it from the context of if the Miami Dolphins are confronted with a situation where let's say they do end up getting Dalvin Cook and they have Dalvin Cook and they have Raheem Mostert and they have Jeff Wilson and they have Devon A. Chan, they have all four of those guys in that room. I I think it'd be a very nice problem to have if all four of those guys stay healthy all season and they then then have to decide which guy is going to get the majority of the workload. Yeah. I'd much rather have that problem than them not trade for Dalvin Cook. And in the middle of the season, what has happened with Raheem Mostert and what has happened with Jeff Wilson rears its ugly head once again. And no offense to Devon A-Chain, but all of a sudden it's week eight, week nine, and Miami with their playoffs in the balance are starting a rookie in their backfield and they're asking him to carry a big workload in order for them to be a playoff team, right? So I'd rather be in a situation where we get that insurance policy in Dalvin Cook we get that insurance policy for Raheem Mostert and, and Jeff Wilson, and we just let it kind of play out throughout the course of yeah. the season because that's normally the way these things have played out for Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson in the past. Yeah, and from a real-life perspective, that's absolutely what Miami should do because even though, again, both of those players from the former Niners were relatively healthy last year, who knows if they're going to be again. And quite frankly, let's be honest, the position itself, like you can never guarantee health at the running back yep, Got to have Always got to have enough options. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the Browns potentially being in the mix for DeAndre Hopkins and Jamie for a wide receiver group that I think is 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 underrated. It is an underrated group already. You add DeAndre yes. Hopkins to the mix, it either is going to become properly rated or it's going to continue to go underrated. Because if they add DeAndre Hopkins to Amari Cooper, to Donovan Peoples-Jones, to Elijah Moore, they have one of the best wide receiver cores in the National Football League. Yeah, and it's been interesting to kind of follow like along the lines of the reporting so far on this because it kind of went from Browns won't be interested, Browns might be interested, Deshaun Watson would like to have them, you know, Browns are a potential front runner. And, and again, it, it's tough to know this time of year because there are different reporters saying different things in different times. So not all it's not like all four of those reports are coming from the same place. So they can so trying to parse what's true and what's not would be interesting. But you know. I, the more I think about this and the more it, – it, it's very weird because if you if you followed the reporting around that the, – the, the, excuse me, around DeAndre Hopkins since he got cut, it went from, you know, there's an arms race between the Bills and the Chiefs, right? That was the, that was the big phrase used to uh, temper expectations, to he's going to go to a contender, to uh, uh, one executive thinks he's washed, to the market is tepid around DeAndre Hopkins to now it's, you know, bills are out. Browns might be in. So he met with the Texans. He didn't even throw that in there. Yeah. The Texans have been like, but it's all this. So his market has been, is hot. It's cold. It's tepid. It's warm. It's so clearly nobody knows. Uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins current market is when you put something in the microwave and you put it on for 45 seconds and it comes out, it's not hot. It's not that cold, though. It's kind of just in that middle, and you need to figure out how much more time you want to put it in the microwave. That's how I feel DeAndre Hopkins' market is. Right. At least it's not like a hot pocket where it's scalding on the outside and then just ice cold in the middle. Oh, you, is that the problem you run into? I run into the problem where the outside is is kind of cold, but the inside is like steaming. No. Uh, well, I mean, I haven't. I, I'll be honest with you because I haven't had a hot pocket in 12 years. I had a hot pocket what? last weekend. What flavor? Uh, it was ham and cheese. Okay, the, the, I think that's objectively the best one. I would agree. 
I would agree. Yeah, I think the pepperoni the pizza one. one. It just get a calzo, you know. Just you just. Yeah, it's just um, no, not for me. But um, back back to this. If we talk about the Browns for a second, where it becomes intriguing is because the Browns are in a really interesting spot where you kind of have to be competitive because you did this whole Deshaun Watson thing. You, despite the allegations. Despite having to guarantee all this extra money, you, you've you've done all of this. You have to compete. However, as you and I sit here, mm-hmm. at best, they are the third best team in their division. I think that would be being very very generous to Cleveland after what we saw from Deshaun Watson in terms of quarterback play for last season. But yes, at best, they are the third best team in their own division. So I think you kind of have to – I mean, you've already took the biggest risk when you, you signed Deshaun Watson to that fully guaranteed contract. You already, you, already, you already took the big leap. What's another leap? What's another leap with these talents? Like you have to surround him with talent because otherwise you're going to look up at the end of this Deshaun Watson contract and go, this was the biggest mistake we've made as a franchise in a long time, and we're the freaking Browns. We have a history to choose from. And this could be one of the this could make the list of one of the biggest mistakes. So you almost have to continue to throw money at this to say, look, look, we we can be a playoff team. I think they absolutely could be a playoff team if Deshaun Watson looks anywhere close to what he looked like in Houston and not what he looked like last year in Cleveland. He was objectively awful. Yes, he was very. He was he was the second worst quarter. He was the second best quarterback on his own team last year. Right. I mean, that's how bad he was. Like, I, yes. I don't know if enough people know how bad he was last season yes. for the Browns. Objectively now, awful. Long layoff. Let's see what happens this time around. Let's see if he gets closer to the, the player he was before. But if Hopkins is available at a reasonable price, he wants to come there, wants to play with Deshaun Watson. I know you have some other options that you really like, but to me, you have to do it because you put you put – Hopkins and Cooper and Moore and Peoples Jones and Tillman all together in that room. You give you not only you prepared for injury, but you've got a very diverse set of skill sets and a lot of talent in that room to help you keep up with Lamar Jackson and a new more pass heavy offense to keep up with Joe Burrow and, and that Bengals offense that paces the division. Like you need it. I mean, Jamie, did you, I'll use the timeout here. Did, I mean, you, did you hear from Mark Andrews? I mean, Lamar Jackson's throwing the ball, you know, better than he's ever seen before. So, I mean, how how could we not oh. think that the Baltimore Ravens are? It's gonna, that time of year. A uh, best shape of your life, best, best throws I've ever you. seen. The uh, other thing, t- and look, the, the other the other part of this too on that front that you're talking about, it's not even just the best shape of your life, the best thing you've ever seen. It's coaches will say one thing. Or a beat writer will say one thing in the midst of a column, and then all of a sudden it just becomes true to yes. people. Of everybody's going to get 100 targets. Everybody's going to be like, LaVisca Schnault's going to be Debo. Dalton Kincaid's going to be the starting. Sl- it's This isn't happening, right. guys. Frank Reich saying like, that they would like to use him kind of like Debo does not mean he's going to be Debo Samuel. It's there's not going to happen. There's a difference. Okay. There's like, there's a leap that you're making there that is not. And I'm not interested. This, this is my favorite time of year because you get one quote about this one thing and all of a sudden it just becomes, this is what's happening. Yeah, and everybody. Like, well, everybody, you need not. to calm down. To quote T. Yes. Swizzle, you just need to calm down. Okay, I snuck <laughs> another one in there. But yeah, I mean, that's we're, we're at that point of year where you're going to get that stuff. And and the yeah. other thing too, Jimmy, that I think is is really kind of important when it comes to this is if it's something that comes from a coach and a beat reporter tweets it out, please go listen to the context because there's probably yeah. something that you're missing that allows you to kind of fill in the blanks or at least get a better picture of what he was talking about, what said coach, head coach was or coordinator was speaking of 
when it came to that specific topic. Uh, Jamie, you provided some odds for us to discuss here on the show today. And I did. I, 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 I there was a new. Uh, we, we we spent a good amount of time uh, last week breaking down some some rookie quarterbacks, and we we did Stroud versus Young. We had a good conversation about it, but uh, I happened to see that there was an interception one, which is a, t- a stat we did not discuss. I'll tell you. I think there's value with here. I think there's value. Okay. So I know who you're going with here. Then I think. But let's uh, let's talk about it. Chris, do you want to present? Uh, I will. The Most odds? interceptions for the 2023 regular season. CJ Stroud, your favorite at plus 120. Bryce Young at plus 175. And Anthony Richardson at plus 250. And Jamie, I think the CJ Stroud at plus 120 is a combination of the Houston Texans are not going to be very good in 2023. And combination of you believe, based on your projections, that the Houston Texans are going to be down in a lot of games, which means they're going to throw the ball a lot, meaning C.J. Stroud's going to throw the ball a lot more than these other quarterbacks. Ergo, more opportunities for some interceptions, maybe some more carefree attitude late in the fourth quarter when they're down multiple scores. Maybe you're taking some more risks, you're taking some more chances, and that leads to more interceptions, hence why C.J. Stroud is the favorite. But, Jamie, I'm old enough to remember when we were discussing quarterback prospects for the 2023 NFL draft and the conversation was Anthony Richardson is the most raw quarterback prospect amongst the group here in this 2023 class. This guy's going to be the week one starter more than likely for the Indianapolis Colts. And what does raw mean in my mind with a rookie quarterback? Mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. And so if you are going to sit up here and tell me I can get him at the third Best odds. I can get him at plus 250 in comparison to CJ Stroud at plus 120 and, and Bryce Young at plus 175. Give me the guy that coming into this process was the guy that everybody thought was going to need the most time to develop and the guy that's going to be on the field probably just as often as CJ Stroud and Bryce Young is going to be. And yes, I know the team around Indianapolis is better, but I still think there is a there is a propensity for more mistakes for Anthony Richardson and where he is in his development in comparison to CJ Stroud. So from a value perspective... I like Anthony Richardson a lot at plus 250. I like the value, and that's where I would pick anyway. Uh, in, in my projections, he is the highest of all the rookies. I have him again, throwing 15 interceptions this year, uh, assuming – and again, I'm assuming he starts week one and plays the full season. Yeah, he is the one that has the the most accuracy issues right now. He's the one that has is the rawest player at, at that point, and he's the one I think that's going to be – kind of get plenty of opportunities to make mistakes and grow from those mistakes on the field. Uh, and he's going to be the guy there. I, I think Stroud was close for me. Like he's a little over 14 interceptions in my projections. He's also going to throw the most. So we talk about like in the most opportunities, potentially throw an interception. It's going to be the guy that's throwing the most. But yeah, I like Anthony Richardson here. It, it's look, the receiving core is solid, but it's not spectacular. Um, he's got a lot to work through. And more importantly, I think it's they're going to be okay with him working through some of these things. Obviously, you never want him to throw interceptions. You don't want that. But I think they're okay with letting him grow on the job. And that's part of why they're going to start him, in my mind, in week one and let him work through some of these struggles. And there's going to be some rough games. And there's also going to be some really exciting highlight reel moments. And I think they're going to, you're going to kind of have to live through that roller coaster in the first year of Anthony Richardson to really truly see where he can potentially rise to as a, as a potential franchise quarterback prospect. I have a statistic that I would like to share with you, Jamie, and I will tell you, I share this statistic not knowing where the conversation is going to go, but okay. I just thought it was interesting and I wanted to share it with you. Warren Sharp, who I think is one of the, the best follows that you can have in the football space with some of the data that he provides on a regular basis. He put out a tweet. Let me see when this tweet was. This tweet was on Saturday. He sent this tweet out, and it was the touchdown rate for teams – 
in goal-to-go situations last year. So we're inside the 10, goal-to-go. Which teams had the highest success rate when it came to touchdowns in the National Football League? Jamie, do you know who had the highest touchdown rate in goal-to-go last year? Now, I will tell you, the important context to this is since it's a percentage, if it's you, a percentage, if you so, had less yeah. opportunities and you made more on those opportunities, that's going to move you higher up. So it's not weighted for teams that had more opportunities. In fact, that probably works against you. Because I want because the, the, the place I want to go with this is after I read to you some of these top teams, I want you to tell me if you think there's a, there's a thread here, if you think this is a continuing trend that they can follow, or do you think that this number is actually a cause for concern? That's kind of the, the, the frame, the context I want to put this in. Goal to go. Goal to go situation. My guess yes. is that it would have been. There's 32 teams you can pick from. Detroit. Detroit. You're close. The second most was Detroit, Ooh. 85%. And that's where Jamal Williams got all of his <laughs> yeah, touchdowns. I felt like right? Jamal Williams got go. every touchdown. Right. And every, every goal to goal um, situation, it was Jamal Williams okay. taking in there. My next two guesses, and then okay. I'm going to make three guesses. And I'm saying okay. um, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, 82% tied for the fourth best odds. Okay. Dallas. Dallas tied with Detroit at 85% as well. The okay. top so, team. In touchdown. All right, so hold. L- let me before you say this. You said you were only going to make three team? guesses. I know, but is this a bad team? Because I, I feel like I, I've named some good teams. Bad, bad last like year brought this or bad off. this year. Yes, I would classify this team as bad this year. Okay. And were they I, were they a only, playoff team? Were they were they bad last year? Like were they, were they a top team? They could have won their division last year. Okay, so that means they didn't. They didn't. Okay. They could have, though. In fact, they were leading their division for a good portion of the season. Okay, so who's leading their division for a good portion of the season and didn't win? So Philly did and did. Um, Tampa technically did and did. Um, Tampa 72%, by the way, in this match. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was As you them. name teams, um, I'll just give the number in case it's... Oh, good Lord. This is... this is Okay. So we did I, NFC I like East, that I NFC put NFC you South. in the blender, though. This is good. I like NFC it. NFC North did and did, so that one wouldn't... wouldn't. Uh, okay, NFC West did and did, so there wouldn't be any of those. Although, okay, so it's a team in the AFC. Okay, I'm narrowing this down. Okay. The AFC I, I, East you are correct. did and did, so we... Well, I, I'm yeah. really surprised the brain blast hasn't happened yet, but we'll let you work through it. Oh, the Titans. It's the Titans. 94% of the touchdown rate is goal-to-goal situation. So how many goal-to-goal situations well, and that's have? And that's the context that I don't have here because their offense stalled out so much, but when they did get down there, it was incredibly successful because they have Derrick Henry. Now, the question, Jamie, that I want to extrapolate from this here is when you look at a team like Detroit, right, just on the eye test, it feels yeah. like Jamal Williams was was a heavy part of why they were able to be successful. When you think of Dallas, you think of Zeke's productivity down there in the red zone. Do you feel as if, and those are just two teams that are an example here. Miami had yeah. 83% uh, in the red zone. They were four, they're fourth on this list. Um, when you look at uh, these teams, do you worry at, at the fact that Detroit was so successful in goal-to-goal situations, but they lost one of the players that was so key? Or do you trust the offensive infrastructure and do you trust kind of the 
um, the philosophy that they have to be able to kind of replace those pieces with a Jameer Gibbs, with a Sam Laporta. Because again, it's not just, I'll tell you, do you know who the worst team was? Green uh, Bay, 50%. Only 50% in goal-to-go situations that ended a touchdown for them. That's really with, bad. With Aaron Jones, with uh, A.J. Dillon, with Aaron Rodgers throwing the football, a 50% touchdown rate when they were goal-to-go. Yeah, that feels like some regression, positive regression to the mean coming for them. Um, you know, to, for your Detroit question, I, I want to be careful how I say this because I, I, I've always thought Jamal Williams was a really underrated player, uh, going back to his time in Green Bay. But Jamal Williams' skill set isn't anything overly special. And, and what I mean by that is it's not irreplaceable. And, and he had a lot of one-yard, two-yard touchdown runs that I think are very easily replicatable. David Montgomery. David maybe. Montgomery. <laughs> or Jameer Gibbs. Sure. Um, and Because it's a strong offensive line. It's a strong offense overall that can space you out. Like I don't think that he did anything that, is, that Detroit just can't make up for this year. Um, so in that regard, obviously, these these will always flex, fluctuate a little bit and have mm-hmm. different rates. But uh, in that regard, I think that's replaceable. Uh, the Tennessee one's really fascinating. Although, again, I feel like that there's a low number. There's a sample uh, size issue to there. that as well. Right. Um, but we'll see. You know, Tennessee is going to be an interesting team because that's a team that has typically done well in the red zone, not just because of Derrick Henry, but because of Ryan Tannehill uh, as well. So running the ball in. So here's an here's an interesting footnote from this, right? I wanted to look at yeah. the team that made the playoffs that had the worst touchdown rate in goal to go situations. At 65%, Baltimore, Houston, San Francisco, and Atlanta were all tied at 65%. So those were the teams that 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 in terms of teams that making the playoffs, because San Francisco made the playoffs. Yeah. The the lowest number in terms of touchdown rate and goal to go situations that ultimately ended up making the playoffs. You look at a team like Kansas City, 79% towards the top. The Giants, 82% towards the top. And so, yep. you know, I don't know, Jamie, if it's a, if it's a easy thing to leap to, Oh, if you're, if you are, a, a, you, you will find playoff success. If you can turn goal to go situations into touchdowns, because again, Tennessee had the highest rate in the league um, in terms of a percentage at 94, and they weren't particularly good last year. And so for me, maybe it's a sample size thing, but I thought it was an interesting way to kind of lay out this data and look at it and say, Hmm, there's kind of an interesting spread here. Yeah, well, I, I think it's also worth noting where, and, and again, this is where we've talked about this from the fantasy perspective. And by the way, you're going to hear a ton of this starting tomorrow on the show when we talk about volume. But this kind of shows you the example that, and I think it's a good reminder that football isn't a rate game. It is a volume game. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can be efficient and have volume. You're gonna. That's how you get. That's how you get elite players, right? And how you get elite statistics. Now you get elite play. But it's not just about getting to the red zone. It's about getting to the red zone, or in this case, goal to go frequently. Okay, I, I, found, go, I found some numbers for you. Yeah. Do you know? Do you? Here's another. We can play another trivia game. Do you want to try to guess the top three teams in uh, number of first and goal plays each team had last year? Now. If there was a penalty and it, it got, got sure. them to another first down, they get another one for this tally. But I think this is a closer representation of opportunities in context with the information that we are just providing. So first and goal plays that a team had in the red zone. So this is closer to being able to tell you how many opportunities they had down in that area of the field. And I'm guessing who had the most? You're guessing who had the um, most? I'm going to say Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia had 34, not the most. Okay. How many? What, what's the number? 51 the was the most. Okay. 51 was the most. Uh, Answer, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo. It's 30 for Buffalo. Okay. I'm just thinking of teams that I saw in the red zone a lot. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. 
Oh, Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City, 51. Okay. 51. So that tracks. Do you know who had the least, Jamie? Chicago. Uh, Chicago had 30. No, no. Don't oh, overthink it. Don't overthink not. it. There are a lot of bad teams. Don't overthink it. Houston. No, don't. don't. You see, you're overthinking. Just don't overthink it. What, what? Why did I go find this research? What we were trying to figure out? Bad teams. No, but we were trying to figure out the sample size issue with the... Titans. Yes, the Titans are the worst team. Oh, 17. I said the Titans are the third one. They sorry, ran sorry, 17 sorry. first in goal plays. Oh, 17. <laughs> Tied with Seattle, by the way. Seattle also with 17. 17. Good Lord. That is... Uh... I thought I thought some interesting statistics to bring you here on a, yes. a Monday edition of the show. Speaking of statistics and projections, that is what we are doing the remainder of this week here on the show. Jamie is distraught at the 17 number uh, that, that Tennessee ran uh, first and goal plays in the red zone. That's just first and goal plays. So, I mean, at, you know, obviously they get second, and third and fourth. So it's multiple plays. Sure. But that's how many but times still. they got in there with first and goal. Uh, 17 of them down there in the uh, in the goal-to-go situation. But we've got quarterback projections starting tomorrow on the show, devoting multiple days worth of shows to breaking this down, to be able to have these conversations, to be able to debate certain quarterbacks, to debate situations, to debate supporting cast, to be able to go back and forth about certain players. And so it should be a lot of fun. I plan on spending the remainder of my day today looking through Jamie's projections, filing my complaints, getting my questions ready to go. I think the three timeouts are going to be in full force tomorrow on the show uh, for that. So you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. Uh, the show on YouTube, the Draft Network on the YouTube channel. Please rate, review, subscribe uh, in the podcast feed. Uh, subscribe, give it a thumbs up on the YouTube channel as well. Greatly appreciate appreciate that. Helps us in the algorithm continue to grow this show uh, for the start of the 2023 NFL and college seasons. Hope everybody has a great rest of their Monday. We will talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.